Hello, and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye, and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Elsa De Silva, a gender activist from India. Elsa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emma. Thanks for having me. So, Elsa, you didn't start out as a gender activist. In fact, you worked in the aviation industry for 20 years. What made you give that up? and become a gender activist? I don't see myself as a gender activist, but I suppose I'm called one. What do you call yourself? I call myself a social entrepreneur, actually, because I'm working with a social mission, and um, it truly is a mission to work on the issue of sexual violence prevention. And maybe it's called gender activism as well, (laughs) but... You know, um, sometimes activism takes on a negative connotation. And what I'm trying to do is really bring about a positive change. And especially when you talk about this issue, which is, you know, largely uh, targeted towards women, we tend to exclude men and boys when we have these discussions. I try to keep it neutral. I don't come across or rather I try to be non-confrontational, yet Uh, make space for those hard uh, dialogues and debates so that we can start to listen and to uh, think of solutions because it's high time we ended this problem. So what got you into this? You were in aviation. What made you give up aviation? Well, you know, as I was growing up, I always wanted to, at some point in my life, work on the issue of women's rights. Uh, The reason being, I saw how hard it was for my mother uh, to just, you know, have a decent life. We had problems at home uh, and, you know, she was an independent, uh, financially independent woman. And so she was able to keep things stable and normal for the three of us, the children, and keep the family together. And I saw her and many other women around me who were struggling with their relationships, abusive relationships in their life, as well as, you know, the hard uh, reality of balancing work and then uh, the family life, which often men do not contribute uh, their fair share to in India. So when I saw this reality, I I thought to myself that at some point when I am financially independent, I do want to focus on giving back and making uh, some difference in some part of women's rights. Now, what it was, I wasn't really sure about. But in 2012, many things, uh, you know, came together, one of which was this young woman was raped on a bus, gang raped on a bus in Delhi. And uh, as a result, she lost her life. For the first time, it opened up the conversation on sexual violence in India. It brought it out into the public domain. And um, that got me thinking about this particular aspect of the issue. And I decided that um, this is something that I was keen to work on. Now, the aviation industry was going through a downturn. My airline uh, went through a financial crisis and eventually shut. And so... 
uh, as I said, many things can came together in 2012. I found that, you know, it was a moment in my career where I could take the risk. It was also, uh, you know, one of those moments where you realize if you don't uh, make that switch right now, you might not have the courage later on in life to do so. So I just took the plunge and uh, started Safe City. So how prevalent is sexual violence in India? Sexual violence is actually a global pandemic. According to UN Women, one in three women around the world experience some form of it at least once in their lifetime. And uh, in India, for example, uh, many women, in fact, in most of my workshops, almost 100% of the women have experienced some form of it. It's just that we don't document what happens to us because we don't go to the police or any official authority. And as a result, we don't show up in any statistic. But to give you an idea of what is reported, every 15 minutes in India, a rape is recorded. And if you take South Africa, recently I was looking at some statistics. Every eight hours, a woman is killed due to an intimate partner violence. If you take the US, it's one in four women that experience some form of sexual assault. And uh, today I was reading an article where it says that in 2017, on an average, globally, 137 women lose their life to intimate partner violence. And I can tell you, I think those, uh, I believe rather, those uh, numbers are highly underreported. How many missing women are there? In India, we have 37 million men more than women right now. You know, some of the states in India have an atrocious sex ratio. Uh, but according to uh, some of the latest statistics between India and China, there are 70 million men more than women. That is huge. And is that from killing girls at birth? Yes, it is uh, infanticide and femicide. So in India, we have a law that says you cannot determine the sex of your child whilst in the womb. Yet, you know, many couples uh, go to corrupt doctors or they go to other countries and get the sex test done. And if it is a girl child, they abort the girl child. In many states in India, once the girl is born, the baby is born and she's a girl child, they find creative ways to kill that baby. They stuff sand into the nose, they put her in a pot, they throw her into the dustbin, they just strangle her, try to flush the newborn baby down the toilet sometimes. So tell us about Safe City. You set it up in 2012 when you left the aviation industry. Yes, it's actually in December, late December, that we launched Safe City as an immediate response to the gang rape of Jyoti Singh. And the idea was to uh, crowdsource stories anonymously of people's experiences of sexual violence in public spaces. We wanted them to uh, share these with us so that we could put them on a map and visualize it as location-based patterns and trends. And the idea is to have this information in the public domain so that we could understand what makes a location a comfort zone of the perpetrator. And could that information be used to start a dialogue in the community, either to find solutions or to hold institutional service providers like the police and municipal authorities accountable in doing a better job. 
that's huge mission. What impact are you actually having? So far, we are the largest crowd map on this topic, and the data itself has been used in many different ways. In the communities that we have partnered with local organizations, they have used it to uh, get the police to change their vigilance patterns and timings uh, so as to provide increased security. They've also used the municipal authority to uh, you know, clean up the toilets, provide better infrastructure. So toilets seems to be one of the hotspots in low-income communities, and usually they are badly maintained. They don't have doors, windows, or even lighting. And when confronted with the data, the municipal authorities have gone ahead and fixed it. Uh, they've also fixed street lighting, which lighting seems to be another big problem and is directly correlated to one's perception of safety. But it, apart from that, we provide uh, three police forces with dashboards every month. Uh, they are the ones in Delhi, Bombay, and in Goa. Uh, we have worked with uh, you know educational institutions to find better uh, policies for their students on campus, our partners uh, in other countries, for example, in Kenya, in Nairobi, our partner organization was able to get the religious leaders into the room and then uh, show them the data, post which they started advocating for change amongst their male community members. And that had an instant effect. Um, and, you know, basically the community needs to be called out because often, uh, they have to decide whether they would allow this appropriate behavior or inappropriate behavior in their uh, community. And uh, if we never talk about it, they're never going to have this discussion. So because people or because women are more willing to speak about it now, are you noticing a change in men's behavior? Uh, yes and no. I don't think we speak enough about it, but wherever we have seen there's an increase in conversations, they demand for uh, a better life, whether it is, you know, um, the community taking up for them or their menfolk uh, behaving themselves, or whether it is uh, the authorities providing better services. But in reality... I I I believe that you know we are a society in transition where the men cannot deal with women actually asserting their rights and there seems to be a backlash so a backlash where men are being more violent instead of being less violent. And I do believe that it is going to take some time. You have to go through the worst before anything can improve. And, you know, it's not only about data and about dialogue, but it's also about education. And we don't seem to be doing enough of that in our school system, in our college system, where we talk openly about sexual violence, healthy relationships, respect, for each other, consent and boundaries. These conversations are extremely important for all genders to respect each other and then, uh, you know, figure out a way to live a quality life. Has the Me Too movement gained traction in India? 
So the Me Too movement started in Hollywood and last month it kind of picked up momentum in India. We had quite a few actresses from Bollywood uh, speak up as well as journalists. And uh, one of the outcomes was they got a minister in the external affairs ministry to resign from his post. I do believe that was a huge win. Uh, there were other powerful men who were also forced to resign from their positions. But honestly, I, I do believe a lot of work needs to be done post Me Too or whilst we still have this conversation around Me Too. We need to look at a holistic solution where we can continue to keep these conversations alive in a healthy manner. We make corporates and other institutional bodies um, have policies that are fair and just for all and have quick redressal procedures. You know, a lot of these cases are about uh, incidents that have taken place in the past. And this is a moment where women are coming forward because they feel that they have the uh, space to share these stories. But in future, I wish the time gap is reduced and women feel more comfortable uh, immediately to raise their concerns and uh, make those complaints. And those complaints should be taken seriously and investigated uh, till they are concluded properly. And is the future female? Absolutely. I do believe that uh, we are in the midst of a revolution where women are asserting their rights. Uh, in many countries like mine, for example, women, um, you know, young girls are getting an education. Women are exploring career paths that are non-traditional and uh, exciting. They are, the mobility is increasing, not just physical mobility, but also social mobility. And with that comes financial independence. So I do believe all of this is going to have a great impact on not only our economy, but also our social uh, structures and um, life in general. And it's going to be exciting because we're pushing for equal representation, equal pay, and, um, you know, so many more other things like equity. And uh, it is going to be possible and it's going to be exciting. Elsa, it's great to see your optimism. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.